This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Well, I want to begin with prayer, open up your Bibles to Exodus 16, and then we'll begin our Wednesday morning Bible study. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for bringing us here to study your word. Uh, Pray that you would help us dive deeper in your word. We don't want to be superficial Christians. We want to be Christians that are on fire for you and for your word. Um, Pray that we leave this study more convinced of your presence and and, uh, more directed by your spirit and uh, that we can be filled with joy and contentment no matter what the situation all right. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we began a new sermon series last week called uh, uh, God is Here. And I mentioned that the reason we wanted to go through this sermon series was because, man, uh, this pandemic is kind of like our own wilderness situation. Uh, it's a time of, of testing. And I guess that's what I wanted to do. I, I was hoping that, that we could maybe change the script wilderness. Uh, Maybe we thought um, this pandemic would be over quickly. Maybe we thought, you know, um, we could just keep moving on or or just kind of hunker down and wait for it to pass like a a storm. But it looks like we're going to be in this for a little while. And so I, I think there's a comparison with the 40 years of testing that the Israelites experienced and our time of testing uh, through this pandemic. And and I guess now the pandemic is old news based on uh, all the, the rioting and the, you know, the, the, the violence and, and racism and all of that that's been going on, too. So every week there seems to be more and more things that are, are, are challenging us and our faith. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that we can keep going back to God's word, keep finding hope in God's word and wanted to do a, a deeper dive. So uh, I've been using a, a, I like to use different uh, translations and uh, I'm trying another translation. I, I just keep trying different ones. Uh, Robert Alter uh, wrote, uh, translated the Bible. Um, Robert Alter, he, these are the first five books of Moses. And, um, and so I'm going to read from that one uh, today. And what I like about this translation is the Robert Alter translation uh, really brings out the flavor of the Hebrew and, and some of the... Um, some of the repeat, repeated phrases that maybe gets uh, taken out when you read your NIV or things like that. So I'll read, read the section and then we can kind of discuss it. Okay. Uh, Exodus chapter 16. And they journeyed onward from Elim, and all the community of Israelites came to the wilderness of Zin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month of their going out from Egypt. And all the community of the Israelites murmured against Moses and against Aaron in the wilderness. And the Israelites said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand of of Egypt, or in the land of Egypt, when we sat around the flesh pots, and when we ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out to this wilderness to bring death by famine on all this assembly. And the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm about to rain down heaven, for, uh, bre- rain down bread for you from the heavens, and the people shall go out and gather each day, um, a share on each day, so that I may test them whether they will go 
my by my teaching or not. So I'm, um, so what what's fascinating about this is so we're one month, a month and a half out of them being rescued out of Egypt, and the first thing they do is murmur, um, and it, it didn't take long. They've been in. Egyptian slavery for 400 years and one month in their rescue, they, they meet kind of a roadblock and they start to murmur, they start to grumble, they show a lack of faith and they grumble against their leadership. And what I talked about on Sunday and in the worship service was, you know, they were grumbling against their, their leaders, against their, their, their circumstances, not really uh, recognizing that they were grumbling ultimately against God. And and I think that's where we are right now, at least that's where I can be, is where, man, I can just get so focused on the the leaders, whether it's a president or governor or or medical leaders or, or all these different leaders in my life, um, so focused on them, I can grumble against the situation as I look at them um, and, and forget about my relationship with God. And when I grumble against all of the leaders and so and focus so much on what's going wrong i'm actually grumbling again and that's what what um what moses is going to bring up here what's what's so fascinating i think about this is god meets their grumbling with grace god meets their grumbling with grace when they grumbled against him the first thing that god says he says um i'm going to i'm going to send manna i'm going to rain down bread from heaven he hears the grumbling of their tummies. He hears the grumbling of their attitudes, and yet he doesn't destroy them. He meets their grumbling with grace. Um, and then Moses preaches to them, and I, I talked about this in the sermon, how um, Moses says, in the morning, God's going to rain down bread from heaven for you, and in the evening, you're going to have um, you're going to have uh bread or meat to eat, the quail is going to come. And you're going to realize that you're murmuring, you're grumbling, not against human beings, but against God. Who are we that you would grumble against us? We're nothing. You're grumbling against God. And, and that was, again, just speaking the law to their hearts. And then after that, after, after, after he speaks, speaks that message to them. They, they realized how broken they are, how messed up they are. And then God gives them a test to see what's in their hearts. Uh, it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, to testing them to see what's in their heart. Um, he said, you are only to eat, um, or you're only to gather what you needed for that day, and you had to trust that God was going to give them um, food for the next day except on the Sabbath day. This was kind of the establishing of the Sabbath here is that um, they were only supposed to take what they needed for that day, um, except on Friday, they would take a double portion because on Saturday, it was supposed to be a day of rest. And that idea of a test, I think, can change our whole idea of a wilderness experience. That that sometimes God leads us into the wilderness. God leads us into difficult places so that we would purify our faith, or that, better yet, uh, he could purify our faith. And so I guess that's what I want um, to ask you. How would your experience in the pandemic change if you didn't look at this as a problem, you didn't look at this as a detour, you looked at this as a time to test your faith? 
as a time to to purify your faith, as a time to lean on God more. I just want to hear your response. What would it do to your experience, to your mood, to your to your energy, to your 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 daily purpose? If you looked at this pandemic as a test um, and not as a detour, a problem, um, an interruption, but as a spiritual testing in the wilderness. For me, that reminds me that God is here, that, that, that God has not left me, that the evidence, you know, I look at what's going on with the, the pandemic or the riots or whatever, and seeing this as a testing of my faith, an opportunity to trust in God when God doesn't seem to be uh, showing up and, or making life easy. Um, it's a time to, it, it changes that my focus. I, I want to read the Bible with, with, uh, with more intentionality. I want to pray with more intentionality. I want to respond um, to the interruptions, the daily interruptions of my routines as an opportunity uh, to, to trust that God is still in control. So uh, so Becky says, uh, um, you know, when I look at it as a pandemic, it uh, gives me greater peace during the pandemic time, during the waiting time. Yeah, it gives you peace and and maybe a challenge, right? Um, I, I And and this idea of God testing our faith, I think the, the, the idea of God testing our faith is, is more like, um, like you test the weight of a bridge to see how much it can handle or, or testing your muscles to see how much weight you can lift uh, versus kind of a test of like a, a test on a, uh, an exam in school, like a pass or fail. Yeah. Um, Andy says, you know, we try to be more faithful and trust that God will provide, uh, but sin would probably overtake that thought. And I see myself crumbling at the wrong times. Okay, yeah, I guess the reality, you know, it's going to be two steps forward, one step back. But don't set yourself up for failure. Think, you know what, I'm always going to screw up. I'm always going to fail. Um, We do have the Holy Spirit and we and, and we can be guided by him. I think also not just the stories of the wilderness where, where God tested people, but the story of Abraham when Abraham was tested and to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham had been failing and failing and failing, um, really showing a lack of faith that he didn't ultimately trust God when he slept with Hagar because he knew he had to have an offspring. Um, you know, uh, when Abraham lied that his wife was his sister because he didn't trust that God would protect him. And so finally, God, after he failed all these times to trust, God gave Abraham another opportunity to trust by sacrificing Isaac. And and he had to trust that God was going to provide. And that's what God, that's what he ended up calling that mountain, God will provide on Mount Moriah. So I, I guess that's kind of this idea that God is giving you an opportunity to trust. That's what a test is. God is giving you an opportunity to trust that he's faithful, to trust that he's here, to trust that he loves you. That's what a test is. It's an opportunity to trust that God is still in charge. And here, here's what kind of, so, so maybe just a couple quick things I wanted to, to say about, about Israel in the wilderness, and now I want to jump to Jesus. This whole story of Israel being rescued out of the wilderness, or rescued out of Egyptian slavery, God rescuing them, delivering them, 
God bringing them into the wilderness to be tested before they entered in the promised land, really throughout the Bible has become a metaphor of the life of a believer. That we were enslaved in sin, God rescued us, but now as a Christian, it's not like God saved us and we go to heaven right away or God returns right away, but God saves us so that we would follow him in the wilderness. God saves us and life doesn't necessarily become easier when you become a Christian, uh, but you learn to be something new. Uh, instead of being a slave to sin, now you become a slave to God. You become more dependent on God. And so God rescues us out of the slavery of sin and brings us in the wilderness of dependence. And that's really how God works. It's not like God rescues us from the slavery of sin and then brings us in the freedom of do whatever you want or now um, you know you're you can live on your own steam uh, and and now you can do this on your own no he, he he rescues us out of the slavery of sin and brings us into the wilderness of dependence to learn to depend on him every day and I think Jesus was was really trying to get us to think about the wilderness when he taught us the Lord's Prayer Give us today our daily bread, reminding of the whole walking in the wilderness day by day, trusting that God is going to give us manna, our daily bread. He's going to provide for our daily needs. I love the repetition in the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. The emphasis on taking life one day at a time, walking in trust. And I think he's really riffing off of um, of the this Old Testament story, this else become this metaphor of the Christian life that our life now is one of dependence, walking through the wilderness of a broken world, depending on God. God is in the center, um, uh, just like for the Israelites, God was in that tabernacle, and the tabernacle was located in the center of their camp, and and that that's what a life of a Christian is. God is at the center of our life, and we're walking in in the wilderness, totally depending on Him for everything. Okay. Now I want to jump ahead uh, to the New Testament uh, to because what what I loved about this mm -hmm. is man um, this has become a metaphor for the Christian life and then Jesus lives it out. I mentioned this in the in the sermon, uh, but I want to dive a little deeper into how Matthew understands uh, the wilderness story and and how Jesus fulfilled it. So in the, the book of Matthew, the way the book of Matthew is structured is very much uh, trying to say that Jesus is a new kind of Moses. Jesus is a new kind of David. Jesus is a new Israel, okay? And so in the book of Matthew, um, it starts off with, with Jesus having to go into Egypt to escape Herod. And then, and only Matthew brings that out. And then he, he comes out of Egypt and there's that prophecy from Hosea where it says, out of Egypt, I've called my son. So, so like Israel went into Egypt, Jesus went into Egypt. And like Israel came out of Egypt, Jesus went out of Egypt. And then the next story is not, is very, is, is, is very important. Uh, after Jesus comes out of Egypt in chapter two, chapter three, you're already fast forwarding Jesus being baptized. So just like Israel came out of Egypt and and through the waters of the Red Sea, Jesus comes out of Egypt and through the waters of his baptism. Well, what happens after 
uh, in Israel's story after they come out of of um, out of or through the waters of the Red Sea, they come through the waters of the Red Sea and they go into the wilderness. And that's what happens with Jesus. Um, it says in Matthew chapter four, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so Jesus um, is like a new Israel. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, the Israelites were in each or in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus uh, representative Israel was in the wilderness for 40 days. And I think Matthew is really focusing on Jesus being a new kind of Israel because when Jesus is tempted, he only responds by using, um, he only responds by using um, quotes from Deuteronomy, from the wilderness. And so the first temptation is, is the devil coming up to Jesus and saying, poor you, you couldn't be the son of God. You could, that couldn't be your father, your heavenly father, because if that was your heavenly father, why would he send you out into the wilderness without bread, without something to eat? You see what the same temptation, the Israelites cut out of Egypt and they go into the wilderness and they have no bread and they grumbled. Jesus is tested in the same way. He goes into the wilderness and he has no bread. When the Israelites grumbled, Jesus didn't grumble. Jesus took that as an opportunity to trust that God was going to provide. that. And so Jesus quotes a verse from the wilderness story from Deuteronomy chapter 8. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then next, um, the devil tempts Jesus to be to test God, to jump off, um, you know, a, a high place, to stand on the highest point of the temple, and to jump off. And then Jesus um, quotes from the from Deuteronomy, from the wilderness stories: "Do not put the Lord your God to the test." See. The Israelites tested the Lord at the waters of Meribah. They tested God. Um, God, you you can't uh, give us water in the wilderness. And, and they tested God. And Moses told them, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus would not test the Lord. God tests us, but we don't get to test the Lord. Um, we don't put him to the test. We're supposed to trust that he has the answer. And then finally, the, the devil tests um, Jesus by you know, saying, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you bow down to me. That's really what the golden calf story is all about. They were bowing down to the gods of Egypt, the golden calf of power of, of, the, of the Egyptian empire, of the Egyptian um, you know, power and, and control and wealth. They were bowing down to that golden calf, hoping to somehow call upon the Egyptian gods to get that power but Jesus, he said uh, to the devil, I'm not going to bow down to you because it says in Deuteronomy, in the wilderness, uh, Moses taught us in the wilderness, he said, um, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So what, what I love about this is Jesus is, first of all, your substitute. So if you feel like you failed in the wilderness during this pandemic, um, you know that, man, 
you just haven't been the person. And I feel like I haven't been the person I was supposed to be. I, I mean, I've grumbled during this time of the pandemic. I've been frustrated. I've been angry with our, our leaders in the government, leaders in, in medical world, leaders in our community, frustrated with all these different things, frustrated with my family, frustrated with myself. I've been grumbling my whole way through, and, and that shows a lack of faith. That's why we have to have Jesus, who was the real Israel, who went into the wilderness, who's faced the test, who stood up to the test, and who, who is our substitute. So you are a forgiven, loved child of God because Jesus went to those places of, of, of lacking, of restriction. He went through the wilderness for you, and he faced this kind of pandemic situation with perfect faith and trust. So first of all, Jesus is our substitute. And then second of all, he is our example. Um, one of my goals as, as, as one of your pastors here at, at, at Victory is I, I, don't think, I don't think we can live off a super, superficial spirituality anymore. I, I think we need to all dive deeper. Um, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, we need to learn to meditate on scripture. We need to learn um, to do what Jesus did, to take every thought and make it captive to the word of God. Don't make every thought captive to the president's latest tweet or what people said about his tweet or what somebody said about, you know, the governor or what people said about the news. Don't let every thought be captive to what's on social media. And, and I can go down that road too, or what's on the news. Make every thought captive to the word of God. That's the only way Jesus made it through the wilderness when he was hungry. And the, that's the only way you and I are going to make it through our wilderness if, is if we make every thought captive to the word of God. Man, you know, I, I feel like, to be honest, I was in such a good routine of, of, of reading and meditating. Um, I find some of the things being more distract. I'm getting sucked in more to the news lately. I'm getting sucked into more of the craziness. And, and so I'm just maybe confessing my sin to, to, to you that every time I go back, though, to just sitting under God's word and just walking with him, I'm finding that that I can be filled with joy no matter what the circumstance, whether I'm in the wilderness or in a time of plenty. And, and, and so um, I'm finding it harder to meditate on God's word right now. And I think that's part of the test uh, because of all of the apparent distractions that I let myself uh, get, get called into. So um, yeah, Revelation is a great place to, to go. I think also just reading the Psalms every day. Um, but but also reading the story of of the wilderness, I'm just so glad that we're we're reading this. That just when things don't go our way, when we start to to maybe get stripped of some of the things that we're used to, you know, just like the Israelites uh, struggled to find water, struggled to find bread, uh, they start grumbling against everybody. You know, who they are comes out, and I think that's another thing in the time of testing, which is kind of scary, when we go through these different challenges. Um, who we really are, what our faith is, what we're really trusting in is revealed. Uh, maybe a crass way to say it is, you know, when the tide goes out, you can tell who's skinny dipping. <laughs> when, when, you, when, you, when you're challenged, um, you're exposed. 
for what you really believe and and what really who really is your God and what you really trust in. And, and so if you're maybe scared by by how you've responded, you haven't responded in diving deeper into God's word, walking with God, um, don't be filled with shame. Um, just turn now. Make today the day you you open up the Psalms. Make today the day that 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 you go back to God's word. And and Pastor Bill and I, we want to be your pastors. I love getting the text message or the phone call, Pastor, I'm reading the Bible and I don't get this. Or Pastor, I'm just feeling like I need a prayer right now. Would you pray with me? I love those kind of conversations because that's who we need to be right now. We need to be there for each other. We need to walk with each other. We need to encourage one another. Um, and so I, uh, if you find that that you have kind of... Um, been walking away from God or, or, you know, as you've been tested, you know, it's been revealed that you're not as strong of a Christian as you thought you were. Don't be filled with shame. Just turn. God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness and and just turn. Um, maybe I'll make one plug. I'm, I'm going to be teaching a lecture tonight that's a lot more structured than this one. I'll be teaching a lecture tonight on the exile series, this whole idea of we're reading in our read through the Bible in a year, reading through Jeremiah, and um, and and so the Israelites are in exile, and that's another kind of wilderness situation in the nation of Israel, and um, and and so that's another visual or metaphor of what it feels like right now. We we're in the wilderness or feel like an exile. I think. Um, with all of the, the racism and rioting and all the unrest and all of the anxiety, you know, that's kind of what we feel. We don't even feel like we're in our own country anymore. We don't feel like we're grounded anymore. And so what is, how do we, again, go back to God's word and find our, our home in Christ, our home in his presence, no matter what's going on around the world. All right. So maybe just, just the final thought. God meets our grumbling with grace. God meets our grumbling with grace. So if you've been grumbling, you've been frustrated, your, your emotions have been all over the place, um, God meets your grumbling just like he did with Israelites. He's going to continue to feed you, take care of you, walk with you. He's not going to, um, you know, he, he's going to be there for you. He meets your grumbling with grace. Um, and then look at this as a test. Look at this as a test. An opportunity, and what I mean by a test is an opportunity to trust. Today is an opportunity to trust that God is going to provide exactly what you need. Okay, maybe a further reading. If if you, it's something I wish I could have preached on, and probably could have taken a lot more time this morning on it. Read John chapter six. John chapter six. Jesus is using this whole metaphor of manna and the bread of life. And receiving him every day in John chapter 6. The religious leaders come to Jesus in John chapter 6. I mean, I could talk about it. You guys, if you if you want to be done for the day, that's fine. Um, why don't I talk about it? I'm going to go to John chapter 6. Um, if, if, if you want to be done, I usually keep it to a half an hour. Feel free to check out. But it, but if you're you're still sticking with me here, let me, let me talk a little bit about John chapter 6, if that's all right. So in John chapter 6, Jesus is going to riff on this whole idea of man in the wilderness and living day by day based on, on Jesus, uh, walking with Jesus. So in John chapter 6, verse 25, it says, uh, When they, 
the religious leaders and the people found him on the other side of the lake. They asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, the God the Father has placed the seal of approval. So, um, pretty cool here. Um, right before this, Jesus fed the 5,000, and then he went to the other side of the lake, uh, Sea of Galilee. And they were following him because they wanted him to be their bread king. Uh, you know, they thought if we follow around Jesus, he's just going to give us bread. You know, he's kind of like a vending machine that, that you know, he can produce bread anywhere we, we need it. Um, and Jesus says, I want you to look for something deeper than earthly bread. I want you to look for something deeper. I want you to, to feast on me. Um, so verse 28, they asked him, what must we do to do the works of God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To trust, to daily trust in the one he has sent, to daily trust in Jesus, to walk with Jesus and trust him in every moment. Verse 30, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. This is so fascinating, so crazy. Um, Jesus just uh, fed the 5,000 and the religious leaders are saying, we need more miracles. Show us that you're really the, uh, you know, the, the one that God sent. We need more miracles. What are you going to do? Moses gave us bread in, um, in the wilderness. What are you going to do, Jesus? Well, he just did give them bread. Um, but this gives Jesus an opportunity to talk about what the picture of man really was all about. Verse 32. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, um, uh, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so he uses that same idea. Um, God said in the Old Testament, Exodus 16, I'm going to send bread from heaven. And Jesus says, God did it again. He's saying bread from heaven, but I'm bread from heaven. I'm the bread of heaven. And verse 34, sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For this is my Father's will, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus says, I'm the true bread of life, and my and who I am, my body, who I am, will um, gives you eternal life, resurrection. I'm going to raise you up on the last day. You trust in me. You live by me. You you let your soul be satisfied on the on the understand that I love you and accept you. You let your soul be satisfied on the cross and the resurrection, and your body will be raised on the last day. Verse 41, at this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I think John, the writer here, is, is using that word grumble uh, to make us think about the Israelites in the wilderness. Um, 
they're grumbling against Jesus. Uh, they said, it is not Jesus that... Um, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? So, you know, again, they're they're trying to explain it away. They're grumbling against Jesus. He can't be that good. He can't be that um, that 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 loving. He can't be who God sent. And then verse 43, stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and, and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give you for the life of the world. So Jesus is saying, he's making that connection. All right, God, yeah, took care of their bodies um, in the wilderness. He sent bread from heaven, but they died. And many of them died because of a lack of faith. They didn't trust God when they to to take them into the promised land. They died in unbelief. Jesus says, and so you need to learn to trust in me, see me. And then he says something that's been pretty interesting, a kind of a hotly debated section in, in verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my bread or eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. This is kind of a debate. Is Jesus talking about the Lord's Supper? Personally, I think he is, although he hasn't established the Lord's Supper yet. Whether he's just talking about faith in general or literally receiving the Lord's Supper, um, I, I think Jesus is saying, live every day in your wilderness kind of life. Live every day in, in this kind of life daily walking with Jesus, feasting on him. Um, if you haven't signed up already or haven't connected already, you know, we are offering the Lord's Supper here at, at Victory. We're offering the Lord's Supper um, tonight and then Sunday morning in smaller groups at 9, I think 9, 9.45, 10.30, I believe. Uh, you can go to votl.life uh, and, and sign up for that. Or you can go uh, to your email that was sent out, the Victory News email, and sign up. Um, because, man, I think that's been one of the hardest things uh, about this pandemic is, you know, I'm doing all my preaching, all my teaching in this format um, online. I can't see you. You can't uh, interact as well. Um, and so that's been tough. But the toughest thing, I think, is we're not able to have the Lord's Supper together. Um I think that's why in-person worship will, is going to be here to stay because we need to gather as a community, see each other, uh, go after each other when we're straying, come back together and have the Lord's Supper. 
to remember, you know, I love what I love about the Lord's Supper is it teaches us what really matters. The sermon could stink. The music could be okay. But if we get to eat the Lord's Supper together, we remember what really matters. We remember Jesus' body and blood. We remember that he died on the cross. And we remember that we are sustained him. We remember that we are... Um, uh, we we walk by faith on him, that we feast on him. And so I think the Lord's Supper, he says, do this in remembrance of me. All remembering all of these things that man cannot live on bread alone. We can't live on just um, sustaining our bodies. We need food for our souls. That's God's word. That's the Lord's Supper. That's his sacrament. We need that. So I'm looking forward. Uh, hopefully you've signed up for that. All right. So what did we talk about today? All of us, by nature, when we're put in these kind of situations of restrictions, of wandering. I mean, man, I think wandering is kind of a big theme for me right now. Um, okay, Joanna, you know, there's a new platform created to share faith with those that are, that are hurting. Yeah, um, you know, man, the optimism, you're learning... Receiving God's word in these digital ways and sharing it with other people—that's what I think we really need to do. I mean, uh, to be honest, our, our numbers—we when we started doing online worship, we went crazy. We had huge groups um, of people coming, and and that that those numbers online have kind of waned. Uh, I think we're still I mean, so much hard work is going into our online worship, but I think now is the time for us to. To, to invite that person, to to connect with people, to evangelism, uh, use this pandemic as an opportunity to bring people back into the church, bring people back to Jesus, and all they have to do is to join us online. It's a low-risk um, low kind of opportunity. So, um, so much, we all have this collective pain right now, right? I used to, you, we used to talk about superficial things like the weather. You know, if you're bumping into your neighbor, you're bumping into somebody, oh, the weather's hot today, oh, the weather's bad today. Now we have this pandemic that's affecting us all economically, uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, politically, and it's an opportunity to, 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 for ourselves to trust in Jesus and then to open up a conversation about Jesus with other people. It's hard to go from weather to Jesus. It's hard to go with, hey, nice dog, to Jesus. But now with your neighbor, when you talk about pandemic, it's not hard to go from pandemic to Jesus. Because pandemic is about a time of testing. It's about a time of uncertainty. And you can go from pandemic to Jesus is my rock. Pandemic, uncertainty, fear, anxiety, worry, and Jesus is my rock. So I think this is a great opportunity. So think. When you're anxious, when you're afraid, when you're grumbling, when you're irritated, when you're frustration, you know, let that be a, a, a warning sign, that, that, that check engine light. I mentioned that, but I don't think I made this point that clear in the sermon. Let that be a signal that I'm not sustaining my soul on Jesus. I was reading the other day that anxiety, especially chronic anxiety, is believing I need something when I actually don't need it. You know, so I, 
believing that I need to know everything about the coronavirus. And if I don't know everything that's going on the coronavirus, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be anxious. Well, you don't really actually need to know everything. There's no way to be to know everything. You know, so when you feel anxiety, you're, you're probably believing you need something that you actually don't need. And I think it's also a warning sign that we're not being sustained by Jesus. We're not trusting that Jesus is enough. We're not trusting that Jesus is in control. That's not to shame you. But again, it's kind of a warning signal. When I'm getting short with my wife, when I'm getting frustrated, uh, when I'm too focused on my circumstances, it's evidence that I'm not walking by faith. I'm not living off the bread of life. I'm not believing the truth about Jesus. I'm, in a, say, in a way, my, my, my faith is being tested and it's not bearing up under the weight of, of what's going on right now. So when I'm... When I'm um, yeah, when I'm worried and anxious and afraid, it's because I'm not living off Jesus. It's a warning sign to go back to God's word, to live off not bread alone and not my own strength alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of Christ. So great thoughts. Anything else that anyone wants to mention? I, I love, I'm just kind of rolling with you guys. Uh, you know, obviously uh, you can check out anytime you want on this discussion. You don't have to stick around. I appreciate you guys sticking around. Uh Makes me feel like a pastor again, <laughs> that I have people to talk to, uh, even if it's through Facebook. Um, so I really, man, just thank you so much for honoring uh, Christ and allowing us to have this time of discussion and, and getting into God's word and learning to trust in him and lean on him and walk with him. So um, we talked about Exodus 16, the grumbling and God's grace. We talked about um, Matthew chapter 3 and 4 about Jesus in the wilderness and how he responded in his own wilderness with the word of God from Deuteronomy. And we talked about John 6 today about Jesus being the real manna, the real bread of life that sustains our soul day by day. So I think it was a good discussion today. Uh, I appreciate everything. And, and if you want to keep uh, growing your faith tonight at 630, if you go to our website, uh, uh, live stream, just watch live. You can go to that. I'll be live streaming a much more structured uh, discussion on the exile and what it means to be in exile and how do you live in uh, a world that when you're in the minority, and we're going to look at the story of Jeremiah and Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and all the exiles that went into Babylon and why that happened and how and, and how does that apply to our life today. So that'll be tonight if you're able to join us. How about we pray for the unrest in our nation? How about we pray? Um, tonight's going to be 6.30. Always, first Sunday or first Wednesday of the month. Um, first Wednesday of the month at 6.30. We'll always have a biblical lecture uh, from 6.30 to 8. On, if you're not already doing the read through the Bible in a year, jump on with us on that. Um, that Go to VOTL.life and Biblical Resources and go to the Uversion Bible app. There's a button on our website and it'll put you into our group and you can join where we're at. We're in the book of Jeremiah right now. Um, thank you, Andy, for your kind words. I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate uh, serving. And, and man, you, you guys, I think Wilson's get like the, the perfect attendance award for our Wednesday Bible studies. I always see the... Becky and Andy Wilson. So I really appreciate you guys being so faithful to these Wednesday morning Bible studies. So, all right.
Let's pray and uh, want to just echo some of the words that Pastor Bill had last night. If you saw his Facebook Live, um, you know, talking about uh, the, the racism and, and the unrest in our country. And so let's pray. Lord God, we, we confess that we have not faced this pandemic with the, with the confidence and the faith that we are uh, this time of testing. Uh, we've shown, we've been exposed that our faith is weaker than what we thought. Meet our guilt and our grumbling with grace. Point us back to you, Jesus. Uh, be our daily bread, Jesus. Help us to live. Give us what we need for today, the faith we need for today, the, the peace that we need for today, the hope that we need for today, the purpose we need for today. So many of us are wandering. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. We don't know uh, where to work. We don't know how to provide. We're just wandering like the children of Israel wandering the wilderness. We need your direction. We need your presence. We need your forgiveness. We need your hope. Um, help us to stand up under this test, to not give in to grumbling, to fear, to anxiety, not give in to all these things. And when we feel anxiety, when we feel fear, when we struggle, help us to be go back to you. Lord God, we pray for the family of George Floyd, uh, who was murdered by that, um, by that police officer who uh, used his power to hurt. Lord God, bring him to justice um, and then bring hope and healing to the family. Bring hope and healing to our country. Help us to, uh, to, to be the kind of people that look at people as people. All people are created in the image of God. We didn't evolve um, from apes. We didn't evolve uh, from animals. We are made in the image of God. And so every human being, no matter what their color or nationality or language or race, are made in your image and deserve um, dignity and respect. You died for all people too. And so, like you said, and like you had Paul write down in, in Galatians 3, there's neither black nor, or, you know, there's, there's neither male nor female. Um, there, uh, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. And we could add neither black nor white, neither slave nor free. All are one in Christ. And so help us to live that out in our own personal uh, corner of your kingdom in our own lives. Help us to look at people of different backgrounds and races and cultures as beautiful, wonderful parts of your creation um, that you love. Lord God, we ask for your blessing on, on today and help us to, to, to face the test of today with confidence. Give us the, the faith that we need uh, um, uh, to walk through the wilderness uh, with, with even joy. Uh, and confidence. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.